Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Milton Sharma Show. I'm your host, Milton Sharma. And today, my guest is Giovanni Toussaint, who is a junior at Eastern University and double majoring in business administration and psychology and is a member of the Templeton Honors College. He enjoys playing soccer and is creative with art, as shown in his Instagram page, which I'll link below. And his beliefs involvement are not limited to being accountable for one's actions and sustaining an equipped level of responsibility. So with this all in mind, Giovanni, welcome to the Milton Sharma Show. Well, thank you for having me, man. This is a pleasure. Of course. Always, always love having discussion with, on important issues, which today will be identity politics and its impact on society. So, Giovanni, I want to ask you, what do you believe is an impact? What do you think, let me rephrase this, how do you believe that identity politics has impacted not only the political realm, but also college students and dorm life, campus life on campus, or anything else you have in mind? How do you think it's affected us because we're college students, but also if it's a, a positive or a negative thing? Um, I would say that it's, it's definitely has, um, has had an effect on um, college life. Um, but one thing, one thing I would like to clarify is that I don't necessarily see it as a good or bad thing. I just think it, it does have the potential to either be either one, either be good or be bad. But um, whereas college is concerned, I would say that, yeah, it's, it's, it has created a very divisive um, community. People are grouping themselves with um, a certain identity, like, you know, I'm a woman, therefore, this is how my life will be. Um, I'm black, therefore, this is how my life will be and, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I'm part of the LGBTQ community, so this is how my life will be. So I would say it definitely has an effect on uh, college life in that sense. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, especially I it's interesting because I usually wouldn't really before I didn't really know what it was. I kind of heard it, heard it thrown around a lot, but someone like Jordan Pearson definitely highlighted something very interesting in that yeah. a lot. What I've noticed with identity politics is that it, it definitely puts the assumption of somebody's experience in a general way. So let's say if every black person is almost projected to, to have this sort of life or Indian people or white people are projected to have the same experience almost or the same beliefs, which in okay. my opinion is very detrimental. Um, so do you, have you learned anything any, from anybody, any lecturers or any models that have told that you've listened to or read from that have highlighted these concerns or uh, anything where you've you've witnessed direct you've experienced like direct victimization of something like this from this ideology uh, uh, one one interesting uh, one interesting speaker that I've um, that I've been follow that I've been following recently is um, Coleman Hughes um, so Coleman Hughes um, he I remember in one of his um, interviews he was talking about uh, 
the fact that, for example, when we were, we just mentioned the fact that part of identity politics is that it's trying, it's trying to group people into, it's, it's saying that, you know, people, let's say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use black people, right? So it's saying that, oh, since you're black in, in this country, therefore, a lot of, you know, black people have the same experience and stuff like that. When it's not actually as um, black and white like that, because because of the fact that for me, a, a little background uh, information is that I'm I'm originally from Haiti, so I would definitely say uh, um, racism in this country um, has affected me in completely like on a much different way than it has for an African-American. So I wouldn't necessarily say I identify um, with African-Americans in that sense, you know, because a lot of African-Americans, one of the biggest issue in the community uh, is racism, I would say. And for me, my experience in the U United States has not really been um, and I've been living here for um, eight years now, and my experience has not be really, really been affected by um, racism like that. So to say that as a black person, my life is this, and my life is, um, you know, is is greatly impacted by racism. It's not, it's not true like that. So I wouldn't say and. And part of identity politics is that it's trying to say that, you know, all, like like we said earlier, all black people have the same experience or all all um, people of this religion have the same experience. It's not true because because when you look at, <clears throat> when you look at young people from, young immigrants from, you know, Africa and from West Indies and stuff, and that's one of the things Coleman Hughes touched up on in his interview. Their experience is very different from that of a young person, uh, young African American from the United States. So to say, oh, just because we all black, um, that our experience is the same, I have a problem with that. And it's trying to limit you. It's trying to identity politics is. Yes, there is there is a good side of it in the sense that yes, there there is a potential that we all have had those experiences. But if you take it to the point where you are forcing the government to to pass special rule that only protects you know this group of people, but not the larger you know public, it's it's it becomes. It becomes divisive. I think the goal with identity politics is that it should not be, we should not approach it from a divisive um, point of view, but it should be more inclusive in, in that we have to acknowledge that not all black people have had the same experience in this country. Mm. You know, not all, not all Christians have had the same experience in this country. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Especially, I know you mentioned inclusivity, which I feel like, and I've, I've done this too, when a lot of people hear the word inclusivity, usually for people that 
are not minorities and might they view it in a negative connotation a lot at least from what i've seen a lot of times and there's another i i also want to critique people that don't agree with identity politics in a lot of ways because you know sure there's a lot of a lot of faults with it i do agree with that it does bring up issues that it does bring up major issues that I think that otherwise wouldn't be brought up. Like right. Certain like certain racism. And I think the huge movements of change, I don't think would be brought up if it weren't for that. So in terms of being inclusive, how could you, in your, in I like your opinion on this, your perspective, how could you really bridge that gap between those of the majority pop, like majority, you know, Caucasian people or, I guess the majority, I would say, compared to minorities. But how would you bridge that gap between, I guess, promoting inclusivity as a good thing, but not in a way that's almost putting minority people on a pedestal above them? Because I think that's a really big issue. Um, I would say one way, if if we if we look at recent um, recent event um, with, for example, Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, I would say it's it's a movement that is trying to be inclusive in the sense that it's trying to bring forth an issue about you know about the lives of uh, the livelihood of black people in this country. A lot of black people in this country, not all of them, uh, about police brutality and and you know and racism and um, things things as such. But it's in a way. In a way, I I've seen that it has removed. Um, oftentimes, you'll see people uh, who are part of the organization will say, "This is not a conversation for white people," or "This is not a conversation for this group." When I think this is an issue that's happening in America, and America, like we always had, like to say, is a is a potluck. So we have a bunch of different culture. So this is a conversation for for everyone to be had, and it's an important conversation. So, so we have to include, we have to try to understand the police perspective. We have to understand why is it that um, a lot of black people in this country have a negative relationship with the police, and why the police oftentimes, not always, oftentimes see you know their their the way they interact with black people or people of poor community is different so it has the conversation has to be mutual it, it has to the relationship has to be mutual we have to understand we have to try to understand each other's point of view maybe maybe i'm being um idealistic but i think inclusive that's that's what it means to be inclusive we have to see well why is it that those statistics that says a black person is three times more likely to, you know, um, to be, um, to have, I think, to be killed or by the police, something. I don't remember exactly what the statistic it, is. Yeah, something like either pulled over maybe or um, or a shot. I'm not really sure either. Yeah. One or the other. Then white people. We have to understand why, why that is. We can't just put that on a, you know, on a TV screen and on a research and say, well, this is this is the data. Why, where, what are the roots of those issues? And 
to understand the roots of those issues, we have to understand it from both uh, black people's perspective and from both the police perspective. So that's how I think it becomes um, inclusive. Like we have to involve everyone in the conversation. It can't just about be about, well, you know, black people are suffering. Yes, black people are suffering, but we have to understand where the root of their suffering is from. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially, and this is something that's very interesting. So when I was taking one, I think it was called Women's Novels in Post-Colonialism, that course, mm-hmm. over the summer, and they were talking about intersexual feminism. And before taking this course, I always considered feminism, feminism to be more of just gaining, like women gaining rights and all those things. But it's definitely broadened its scope to reach all types of people. For example, it reaches and talks about certain privileges that men would have, but also a white woman would have, or a wealthy woman, or a wealthy white woman would have over a poor white woman. So I thought it was interesting that it, it, it kind of puts some groups of people above another, another group, which, which follows the scope of identity politics in a way. So I was curious to hear, like, to hear your thoughts. What do you think? What do you think that? Why do you think that is? Because I don't think feminism was really supposedly reaching out to to different types of women. I I thought it was supposed to be universal. Uh, So why do you think that is? That intersexual feminism is is like an identity politics sense of way. I know it's kind of an odd word of question, but I was just curious to hear your thoughts. Like, does that help? black people in a way like because i think that's our goal but i'm not really sure let, let me get let me let me try to clarify your, your question so are you are you saying um in that course um are you saying that in intersectional intersectional um feminism you are saying that it's um it's trying it, it has it has put forth that uh wealthy women have the same right as as men is is that can you clarify that uh i think it's so they believe like the patriarchal kind of idea mm-hmm. so it's like do they so believe it's, it's right or what, what do you mean? they believe like men are on the so i guess men are on top mm-hmm. but then they, they don't really define men in certain ways but they might actually they might say for example like a white man would be on top and then a black man would be like lower and a black woman would be lower and then a gay black woman would be even lower so it's kind of like that oh so 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 you're saying how those those multiple identities intersect so you're saying that movement that movement as both forth how the disparities between between those identities that is that what you're saying well I, i was just thinking that it seems like because the the founders of of Black Lives Matter are all black women. They're actually there's not any black men that founded, which I thought was kind of fascinating because with you know George Floyd and certain things like that, a lot of them are usually black men that were unjustly killed or severely hurt. Well, so, well, actually, there are uh, um, there are actually a lot of uh, 
black women that have been wrongfully that have been killed by the police um uh you know questionably mm-hmm. but okay i would say media has not had you know they have not covered those those incidents as much as they have covered um you know mm-hmm. black men getting shot by the police do you think there's a reason for that or do you think it's just not as publicly um, I guess as brutal of a murder or something like that. Like, do you think that's there's a reason for that, or? or uh, no? I honestly, I honestly think that one reason it seems to me, one reason it seems to me is that the media loves when a when a black man uh, is shot by the police or is killed by the police, so that you know mm-hmm. they can take it and you know make it about race, make it about racism and stuff. And oftentimes we we really don't know if those issues are about race or you know if that covers racist and and stuff like that. So, but I would say the media this is it's it's a good headline. Yeah, a, you know it, it drives people to you know to go and post something and Google something and stuff. And I would say that has done a lot of damage to. Um, to to uh the the black lives matter movement because in the sense that it hasn't put forth the injustice that has been done uh, against black women because it's just focusing yeah it's just focusing on those yes yes i would say the organization i've i've tried to raise um awareness um about the fact that yes black women have experienced the same um amount of um, prejudice from the police that black men has but it's but like you said and you don't see that in the media often though that's not something you don't see videos circulating on the internet about how police um you know a police uh, interaction with a black woman you don't see that often i now i don't know why I, i mean like like i said i think it's because it doesn't fit in with the media's narrative, the, the mainstream media's narrative. It, I don't know if that's gonna give them more, more you know, more people looking at their stuff. Mm. Uh, I think that's one reason. Yeah, because it's interesting because the co-founders, the founders of Black Lives Matter, is all black women, and and I think they might have taken down this down on their site, so. I wouldn't quote me specifically on this, but I remember at least reading on their website that they, mm-hmm. so, but I've seen that. I lost my train of thought. Just hold up. I've seen that they, so black women are the founders, but I saw on the website that they were not in favor of having a nuclear family in place. Now, this is where I, you could agree with me or disagree if this is a mistake or not, but I thought it was a big I thought it was a big mistake for them to say that because a lot of people on the right on, on the Wait, local right can, can you repeat what exactly they said, Milan? Well, they they basically said that they weren't in favor of a nuclear family type of structure, mm-hmm. but instead they were in favor of something like I think it was something in terms of like a community raising each other or like a village type of circumstance. 
So, yeah. so overall, I thought this was a big mistake because the political right, the right wing, a lot of them would attack uh, Black Lives Matter for saying, like, you know, oh, the father not being there is a huge issue, which, you know, people admit that may be true, and, and the statistics may prove that, but I think it definitely differs away from the issue of why they founded Black Lives Matter. Um, so, would you so, think that including that is an issue for the Black Lives Matter movement, or do so, you think that's okay? I, uh, yeah, I definitely think the this idea that, um, as you said, that the organization is concerned about, you know, um, breaking down the, you know, the the traditional nuclear family. Uh, I think that's an issue because of the fact that, and this is not, this is not something coming just from me. I mean, you've you've heard from uh, people, someone like Barack Obama saying that one of and someone like Denzel Denzel Washington Washington and stuff. Right. So that one of the biggest issue within the within the black community is the the lack of father figures and, and stuff. So so to say that you want to get rid of um the you know two parent home and you know but it it's kind of unclear to me what exactly they mean by that, though. Like, do, yeah. they, do they just mean that, oh, well, it's okay to have, um, you know, two women raising a, a boy or two men raising a girl, two, two men raising a boy? Like, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unclear what exactly they mean by... It, it was very broad, but it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it was kind of broad. They didn't really point to, a, like, a father or mother or... a two women, two men kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. It basically focused on, it was, it was very strong in its oppositions. It was like, it was kind of like, we oppose this kind of, this type of nuclear family because they fear the a men, probably men oppressing the woman or, or something like that, a patriarchal s- system. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because at least when everything was going down this summer, all the, the, protests all the all those things is very fascinating that black Lives matter was almost a response to all these issues happening which of course that, that makes sense mm-hmm. but it was interesting that they included all these ideological things that i believe a lot of people don't really know about or know too much about which that that is true that is true exactly and a lot of people have said that um you know, uh, Black Lives Matter is not a a political issue, but actually on the website, I recall seeing that it is about politics. Right. Especially because I, it's funny, I, see, I think I saw in the news that the Biden administration was actually refusing to meet with them uh, recently, mm-hmm. which, which was kind of interesting because Apparently, I, this one conservative guy was on an interview with Fox News. They were talking about the news that he was refusing to meet with them. And it was kind of interesting because uh, a lot of conservatives would say, oh, they just use Black Lives Matter as a, as a system to galvanize a lot of black people to vote for the Democratic ticket, Biden and Harris. Mm-hmm. And to just, you know, use their votes to get into office, which 
was successful. I mean, yes, the uh, Trump got the, he got many minorities to vote for him. That's true, mm-hmm. but overall, if you look at the statistics, overall, like in the cities and all these oh, places, yeah. overwhelmingly, overall, a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, Over, oh, yeah, overwhelmingly, a lot of black people voted for uh, voted for Biden, and 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 that's another. I think that's another danger of um, identity politics because it gives way for politician, both Republican or Democrat, to use to use that to their favor. Because think about it, a politician could just go and say, "Well, um." Black folks, you all have it, you know, hard. So, if you vote for me, uh, what I'm gonna do is that I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna have you know special. I'm gonna pass this right to do this to do that, and that's how you get a lot of the, the, uh, the vote. And yes, their vote, the the minorities vote. And yes, of course, there are issues that are that are uh, more that are specific to the black communities of course there are issues that are specific to the to hispanic communities but at the same time when like for me i would not say that me being black is the most um is the most um relevant part of my identity Hmm. and I would say that's that is true for a lot of people. That's true for a lot of people in the world. So for people to think that simply because you you are religion, you are race, you are you part of an ethnic group, that you are defined by that, I think that's that's very. I think that's a form of racism, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point because even for me, for my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I sometimes get turned off by that, like, oh, like you're this identity, you're that, because it's not something you really work to be in your right. life, especially as a young adult, especially mm-hmm. someone that's like I'm 21. So it's like being an adult, it's not like oh, I, I all of a sudden became like <laughs> Indian overnight, <laughs> like so. Right. It it's definitely something that because for me, in my perspective, it's more like I'm more in favor of something where merit is takes now identity is important but i think merit is extremely important something like working hard and having yes um, and being judged on merit alone is very important and definitely and identity is is always going to be important but but it's it's definitely very fascinating to me uh and in the sense that when i was living in haiti i I just felt like I was an individual. Mm. My decision was not questioned um, because of my race. My decision, no, nobody assumed that I was making a decision because of my race. Nobody assumed I, I was making a decision because, um, because I was rich or poor. It was just a decision. Mm-hmm. But moving in the United States, I've definitely encountered people you know, thinking that, oh, well, he, he's just doing that because he's, he's black, like, you know, and, or, or people on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the spectrum who have said, well, well, Joe, like, uh, things must be hard for you. 
since you know you you, you black you know i'm like no like I, i've never had that kind of experience so it's like on both on both sides they people fail to put to see you as an individual and as as a human being but they just see they just see our color mm-hmm. well because this person is is of this religion we have to kind of cater to him we have to you know things like affirmative action i think it was trying to help uh minority groups but it has definitely not i don't think the outcome has is what it was intended to be yeah because it's funny I, i think i saw this one thing online where it this guy i mean he was an indian guy he he pretended mm-hmm. to be a, a black person put like a, a i guess that on his scholarship or on right. his application and all that stuff yeah i think i saw that too yeah and eventually mm-hmm. i mean eventually he flunked out which obviously if you not have the the expertise and and the you know the repertoire to do that then that's justly right. so that's what's going to happen so yeah th- those things are it's definitely dangerous even and this is what's so what's very like frustrating for me personally is when mm-hmm. in the political realm seeing people like and and this can can this can, is not limited to just democrats and the left wing because i i think republicans do it also but mm-hmm. just at least when it comes to my my mind the first thing when i saw joe joe biden running mm-hmm. was that his vice presidential pick was very it, it was it was almost very surprising strategic strategic for sure it was surprising but also i i should you took the that's that's a great way to say it i think it was surprising but as strategic at the same time because logically if you think about it like just pure merit substance wise you know she accused by like she was the most directly uh the most direct enemy of biden from looking at the debates alone i mean accusing him of being racist and saying that she the other thing that's even more powerful in my opinion is saying that she believed the women that accused him of sexual assault right like that was that's something that's very i mean very powerful so these two things alone and and her her record as attorney general and from i think i don't have the data right in front of me but i know even even she didn't refute when mike pence in the debate said that I think black people were more likely, much more likely to be arrested under her tenure as attorney general in California or something like right, that. Definitely, definitely. So it's mm-hmm. not like she's a saint for, or at least lifted a lot of black people up during her time and, in office. And that's exactly the danger of identity politics. It, it assumes that just because someone has the same skin color as you, they, they, they understand your experience. No, no, they don't. Or they understand your struggle. No, they don't. So, and to to go back um to the to the uh, past um to the 2020 uh election an important thing is is the is the fact that it's it's all about politics right so even though Kamala Harris had all this disagreement with Joe Biden and called him out on on uh, many stuff she's still willing to work with them now Now, I would say that that's a good thing in the sense that they they were both willing to put aside their differences and their disagreement to work together but at the same time you it begs the question that 
are they you know do they have their own agenda like what you know is this actually about the people or is it them trying to you know is this is are they actually working for the people i mean that, i think that's mm-hmm. that's moving away from the topic of identity politics but i think that's that's a question that mm-hmm. we have to keep yeah. in and uh, yeah and going back on the topic of on the main topic of identity politics is that people people think well because Biden you know he chose he he chose Kamala Harris as as the vice president he's not you know that's a good thing and a lot of a lot of black people are going to you know have it good because you know you have a you have a woman a black woman as you know the first black woman in power right. that doesn't really mean, that doesn't really mean anything though no it doesn't i mean especially if you look at just her record alone and i mean her i mean let alone the guy that's i mean this is the one thing she could have she could have almost done a, a much better job in the debate if she arrested and i think you've made this known to me more so than anything else when she arrested if she could have arrested Mnuchin, right who was if who, she if she if she would have pressed charges against Mnuchin, yeah right and let's say if he was able to buy his way out of you know persecution or, or prosecution or whatever then if he still got his a job in the white house and i think a lot of people would be like wow like you know she would definitely <laughs> go after these these people these mm-hmm. powerful bankers and all this stuff um but yeah something that's is something that jordan pearson said which I've, i follow him a decent amount something that he said on the joe rogan show was very interesting he, he called it unearned moral, moral superiority um and he wasn't directly talking about identity politics but i was kind of looking at something at this issue where certain issues that could be discussed between different races and and to be clear, there's no doubt that certain people experience things that others will never experience. That's of that's, course. That, that's of course. no there's question. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think having a certain dialogue, it's almost it kind of reminded me of that unearned moral superiority when a certain group may say, "Oh, like you can't have that discussion with progressing my community or something like that because you you're not in my shoes or or all this all these things," which. Right. I believe is very divisive. Um, but what, what do you think about that? And, and, and how do we avoid that? I would say that's that's the that's the point I was trying to make in in the beginning um, of our conversation is that that's that's one of the biggest issue. The fact that people will talk about racism, but, but if someone is being racist, you you just call them a racist. I I believe that you it's it's important to explain why something is racist you can't just say well this person is is racist and i don't have to explain why this is racist mm. or you you know because you you're not in my shoes and stuff i think it is important we have a responsibility as people you know yeah to say yeah this this is why this action is wrong i mean it may seem to us that well this makes complete complete sense like this person would understand why something is wrong but we don't live in that kind of world <laughs> of yeah, course sure. and of course i would say 
if someone don't want to have that conversation, you just have to walk away. So yeah, of course there's there's a limit. I'm not yeah, saying. Seeing, you I'll just say real quick. Seeing mm-hmm. very popular people like someone like Ben Shapiro, who some people call a Nazi, like or neo-Nazi or something like that, which people would almost laugh at that because he's Jewish and all that. Like these kinds of insults and name calling, almost does a gives more service to people that are actually neo-Nazis because if anything, people that are called neo-Nazi, they might just scoff at it. The majority of the population might just scoff at it and be like, maybe this guy has a point. Maybe maybe this guy's just not part of the mainstream rather than saying, oh, he's a dangerous individual. Her, 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 his or her ideas are very dangerous to society, which, like, painting a broad brush of racism is definitely extremely dangerous. Um, yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I think the, the word... Where identity politics, uh, politics has failed, have failed is, is because it, it failed to, to involve everyone in the. Yes, I understand identity politics is supposed to be about a specific group of people, but at the same time, that group of people, the issue that they are experiencing, is not. It's not, they're not just experiencing that issue. There is, there is, there is a cause to that issue. So mm-hmm. the perceived cause or the, the, the people who are perceived as, you know, oppressors or, you know, the oppressed, I think we both have to sit on that table to understand why, why there, those issues exist. So it can't just be, well, we're going to have. A special rules for you and hope that we solve those issues in in your community no that i mean like we said earlier affirmative action it it hasn't really helped um you know minorities that yeah i don't know i don't know the data too much behind that but i i definitely agree with you that um Creating certain rules for another group of people is definitely would definitely disenfranchise them because, yes, some of them would agree to those rules, but I think other mm-hmm. people that ask more questions, there's definitely going to be a portion of them are going to say, "Hold up, why can't we dive into this more?" Right. Or, or certain things like that, they'll feel disenfranchised at some point, and I think that will definitely hurt the cause of another group, the, the victim group. That's more mm-hmm. so feeling that they're not treated equally right and the reason the reason why i say that affirmative action hasn't helped is because now you have a bunch of institutions who who are just looking to fulfill um their diversity mm. um requirement yeah, that's true. and they're just you know they just um letting people in you who questionably they don't deserve to be in those schools and and that's to say that there is a lot of there is a lot of people within uh, you know or minorities who deserve that more than a lot of people who have gotten in into prestigious schools through affirmative action. And those people don't, don't see anything. Hmm. Don't don't see any of that um, of that rule and, and law. So so that's the reason why I say it hasn't really helped. 
Um, it's it's yeah. not that it hasn't really helped, but it has it has created more issues than it has solved. Um, right, and, and don't forget about. Um, I mean, the case, and I think it was Harvard or Yale, there was some Ivy League school where there were, I, I think the school was intentionally not allowing Asian Americans or Asian international students, whomever, to mm-hmm. enter those schools, not because of merit, not based off merit, because they had the merit, but it was right. also, it was because they wanted other ethnic ethnicities, you know, other ethnic groups in their schools. So I think they, they were suing them or... Something like that. I don't know the details of that. Yeah, but. yeah. I think I, I think I I I think I remember. I've heard of um of the that um event of those events. Yeah. Yeah, and then I I would attribute all those issues to to the rise of identity politics, and it's it's int- I mean, I I don't really recall when identity politics became such a popular uh thing. But I do know for a fact that it it seemed that it happened before Trump came into power. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I think for me it was definitely like like the Kamala Harris joining his administration and all that definitely instilled that made it much more clear. Like oh, there's the sun rising in the east. That <laughs> like like that clear for me. But mm-hmm. um. I, I would say, like, identity politics, in a sense, what's dangerous about it is not necessarily the, the issues that it brings up, because there, there are definitely valid issues to be talked mm-hmm. about in discussion. Exactly. But the idea that I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's hard for, if there's a very exceptional people in a certain group, ethnic group, mm-hmm. someone that has a potential of, like, a, a really good, very knowledgeable, like, let's say they're a very knowledgeable uh what I don't know, marketer or like, or lecturer or some, something very high up, someone like Bill Gates or like they like a huge tycoon or something like that, very mm-hmm. powerful individual. I would say it would be hard for them it, when they're young, if they're almost indoctrinated with this belief because it's almost as if that identity has to be equal with each other or their right. viewpoint has to be equal, which mm-hmm. I think would be very hard for them to thrive. That you know, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. There, it's definitely um, limiting people's um, people's uh, potential and uh, capabilities because y- me me going in a in a neighborhood and telling, yes, there is there is there there is an actual sense that you know um, young young black people from a neighborhood might from a poor neighborhood might have it. Um, might have it harder than someone from the suburb, you know. But right. I question, is that because of their race or is that because of their socioeconomic status? And But telling them that, well, since you're black, you, you have it, you're going to have it harder. And, you, like, it's almost it's almost already f- shaping their, their views of the world. So it's almost... It's it's already shaping their views of the world. So it's like this person, maybe that might influence their decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because I do believe like socioeconomic status has a lot to do with it. Especially being that 
I don't know. I may be wrong with this, but there was a lot of white people in the cities in the 19, like early, I don't know, 1950s, maybe like somewhere there. And eventually a lot of them left the city and there's more uh, minorities and black people and uh, probably Latino people also moving into the cities. And of course, in the United States, if you look at the income levels overall, with, based on group identity, white, white people and Asian American and white people have a lot more money, um, you know, income levels. Definitely. So, so I would say in that sense, with the cities, with a lot of poor people living in the cities, it definitely doesn't surprise me that like the police are not as of high quality. I mean, if you look at the opioid crisis compared to compare that coverage to someone on like, I don't know, marijuana or something like that. Someone would say like, Oh, like, like there's this, I just hear insults like, Oh, like that person might be a pothead or this or that, but mm-hmm. there's not really any name calling for someone on opioids or heroin. It's just right. like, Oh, there's Deep not really help. any insult to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's definitely there's definitely this um uh I don't know where where that's um I don't know if it's a it's a stereotype but there's definitely uh, a distinct um perspective on of of both uh, group I mean a petty a petty crime of someone smoking marijuana you know, in a, in someone who's addicted to opioid, the person with opioid is all is all oftentimes looked at as someone who needs help. Who, you know, we have to send them to um, rehabilitation center and stuff. But whereas the person who who does marijuana crack is well, they're they're criminals. So let's yeah. let's put them in jail and stuff. So it's. I I mean that's I don't I don't know why that is you know mm. but it's definitely an issue uh in the United States like we 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 have an issue of simply simply grouping um you know people uh, um People that experience those issues, we label certain issues as crimes, and we label certain issues as mental health and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and definitely it's, something I'm fascinated by. For sure, mm-hmm. especially being psycho- psychology majors, you and I, it's definitely something to dive into. Yeah, and I would. I, I just this came to mind. Mm-hmm. Something with the opioid crisis. I think. I think one reason why there's such a contrast in stereotypes or or how it's framed is i remember watching like years ago there was a 60 minute episode where i think they showed this football player you know really he was probably i think it was talented something like that and he ended up taking he got injured and the doctor prescribed him uh these certain painkillers and eventually he got addicted to them because they had the opioids in it but it was framed in a way that was all Almost as if, like, and of course, it's never a good thing to be addicted to that, but it was definitely framed in a way like this is a crisis because doctors are prescribing it. But I would argue that, yes, like football, he didn't, he didn't choose to get hurt, but at the mm-hmm. same time, this, this crisis is not like it just came to him 
out of his lifestyle because if you look at in people in the city and these people don't have money and they're doing and they're selling drugs for a living and all this and all that it's like they're almost forced into that lifestyle right just, just from me looking at it from the outside in you know just from mm-hmm. me looking looking at it from the outside that's what it seems like so that may that may yeah. be one reason why it's framed that way that's that's why mm-hmm. i think uh but yeah, honestly, I don't mean, anything like that I would say, I would say we, we don't, people have not done enough, um, uh, experts have not done enough, um, research to see why, why certain issues are framed certain ways, but yeah, you're totally right. And in the sense that someone living in a poor community is almost, yes, yes, you have personal responsibility and yes, you have choice. But the thing about poverty is that it's it creates a cycle. Like you, you growing up, someone growing up and seeing and never dream about, you know, never heard it in their family about, you know, a large sum of money. All they're gonna be, they they only gonna think small. So, so that's why you see a lot of you know young people doing drugs. You know, that's because they see. The older people in their in their city in their in their neighborhood, that's what they were doing. Yeah, and also there's this one television show on A and E. I think it was called like Scared Beyond Straight, and they basically would take these pretty much adolescent to low twenties these these people that are engaging in this type of behavior, um, drugs and all all that, and the parents would take would would take them to the show because they don't want their children to end up like they did. And right. it's, it's fascinating because, you know, they take you to the jails and the people in the jail, the people that committed those same offenses would say, Oh, I was in the gangs like you. And you know, I'm like this. And they would, you know, say all these things. And it's fascinating because I would, if anything, it, it's called scared beyond straight because they do scare them. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a scary, traumatic, almost experience, but doing so, I think I saw one study. It actually showed that doing this actually does not help that case at all because yeah. it, it doesn't help, which mm-hmm. is it's almost sad because – and it's not surprising because they're doing what they can for ratings. It's a very – it's a catchy I – don't, I don't watch it too much, but I've seen a lot of clips online and there are lots of views because it's a very flashy kind of show. Right. So I can see why it's popular, but it's definitely doing a huge disservice to solving the whole issue, which is a huge, is a huge issue. Definitely, it's a and, huge and, service, and that's and I think that's where the media comes in. The media, you know, they want you to watch their news. They want you to watch their network. So they're gonna frame. They're gonna have to find a way to frame certain things to give certain titles so that they can get you to share. Now, my, now think about it. We in the we in the age of the internet. The more the more people you know share something the more traffic that goes on their website you right. know the, the more people they have checking their website the more people they have checking their channel to to verify to to see the the story so so i think that we have we definitely have to call out the media when whereas um identity politics is concerning in things like racism and, and issues like racism and sexism is concerned because the media definitely plays a lot of 
a lot of uh, has a big impact on those issues and not in a good way that is. <laughs> no no and and not only that the media media content i mean it's unbelievable how much the traffic increased from march when the lockdown kind of started to now it's, it's huge i forget when i saw this i think my dad told me like yesterday in the article there's a huge increase in the amount of content people are watching on YouTube and all like, and which of course is news and everything like that, because what's, how do people drive YouTube? When I was starting this, this show, I was, I was looking at it and they were saying, you know, good, like titles, uploading all that, all those things. And I, I see news companies do that. Like the most enticing titles are obviously going to get a lot of views if the content is very edgy and rigid. Right. Um, so that's, what's really, very fascinating. And another thing that's really detrimental to the points that you and I are making is that these news companies, a lot of them will admit to wanting to garner their their news in a way to gain ratings. I've yeah. seen that. Like, like the commentators, they will say, oh, you know, that makes sense. They're commentating. It's opinionated. That's fine. But, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, they try to say no, like, how dare you say that? This is a news show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's what makes it hard. And, and that's in like that. that's on both sides, Melon. I mean, I, I've seen. I, I remember watching uh, something on Fox News, and and uh, one of the one of the reporters were says um, someone was questioning something that uh, President Trump said, and someone mentioned the fact that. Fact checkers, I've checked uh, Trump uh, on a statement that Trump made, and the uh, the 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 news the the reporter that, that was in favor of Trump says, "Don't you ever quote a fact checker on the show anymore?" I, I mean, I think that's kind of ridiculous. You know, someone trying to find truth and facts don't you don't want them to quote that and. On the other side, you will have people um, on CNN breaking news. Trump just got out got out of his car. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, there, there was one. That was one about ice cream too. I, I don't think that was even. Of course, some of it was edited, but I think there was actually some truth to that too. So, yeah. So even yeah, even watching the election. It would mm-hmm. say breaking news, breaking news, but it'd be the same exact, same exact vote, vote tally. Exactly. And another, another, hours. another, um, another negative thing about uh, how the media use identity politics is the fact that a lot of people, a lot of people are content with, with just um, subscribing to certain, certain ideas or or certain news without doing further research. People will just see, oh, well, you know, Trump, Trump says this about, about this group of people. Therefore, he's this. Or Biden says this. Biden, I, I, I've seen, I remember the Trump ad that says, Biden um, wants to defund the police. No, he doesn't. Right, like you, I mean, he you won't have, even talk to Black Lives Matter. So that, right, that, I think that proves that too. You have you have those you have people on both sides using using identity politics, uh, in a way that's very negative, so that they can cater to their audience. 
Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that, like, a big reason why Trump won, I, I believe, is won at least the Republican nomination and eventually the presidency, is not because he was, I like, a good candidate in the, in the, before the election. Like, I'm talking about 2012, I believe. Yeah, 2012. Mm-hmm. It was more so because he was he was very good at like um sound bites and the news i mean the news coverage covering trump compared to every every other candidate was astronomical like a huge they covered everything he was doing all of his rallies like not just debates but every single mm-hmm. one of his rallies not marco rubio's rallies or ted cruz's rallies but his right. so <laughs> that that was just very fascinating and like charisma is a huge part of getting elected oh yeah and it, it, my dad and I were talking about that recently, like a good, a good, like democratic candidate or a good Republican candidate. A lot of times they need a lot of charm to get elected. Whereas in other countries I've seen, it's a lot much more about what kind of policy are they going to implement in the government and all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, in France, Milan, the, the people will tell you, like, I mean, you're in the United States, people care very much about the, the personal life of the, of the president. But in France, The people don't really care about the the personal lives. I mean, you've had you've had president like Nicola uh, Nicola Sarkozy, who've who've um who've had mistresses. Mm-hmm. In the pe- year, if if that was the case here, the person wouldn't become president. Yeah, most likely, most likely not. Because <laughs> I think we're a very individualistic kind of culture too. I think that's that's mm-hmm. another reason from it. Because we definitely pride ourselves on, like, not only our, like, let's say if someone was running for president, I don't think they would, people don't just look at the political achievements they've had, but it's like, um, you know, how do they, how do they look on camera? How do they, mm-hmm. how do they, how well do they speak? Are they charismatic? It just goes on and on. All the intangibles oh, yeah. that are outside of politics. Because I would argue somebody, like, as somebody, like, Now, Ted Cruz wasn't too far behind Trump, but someone like Ted Cruz or even like Rand Paul, who has who was, has a very strong conservative record. A lot of those people, they were like finishing close to last in the Republican, you know, the the polling, which is almost kind of surprising because I'd right. be like, hmm, like they seem pretty conservative. Now, like Trump funded Nancy Pelosi while while he was still younger. So, like, you know, <laughs> it's very interesting how that's the case because he was a democrat all of his life how could he win mm-hmm. so there's just so much to get into with that oh yeah oh yeah definitely and uh, i mean it's it is it is fascinating in the sense that a country that's um so individualistically um you know oriented you know it's it's you know it's all about me 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 and yet we we have the emergence of identity politics <laughs> right right you know we have um we have a group of people saying that we need rights we well which oftentimes that is the case you you do need you do need the government to step in and say yeah this discrimination Because someone has this this hairstyle is is ridiculous. So you sometimes right. you, you do need you do need the government to step in and, and um, specify the law, 
but at the same time, it becomes dangerous when it's it's just about you know one group having more more rights um, than another group. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's and I I think that right there is the is why people a lot of people are against um, identity politics, or not just that, but also the fact that people expect you to think a certain way or to act a certain way because they they per, they they think because of your race or religious background. That, yeah, definitely. That's the you know, you, you have to do this action or you have to you have to subscribe to those um ideas or beliefs and belief system and stuff. So so yeah. Right. And especially someone who it's a huge I think it's a huge issue to conflate like someone who's let's say a let's say a Christian to a certain issue because like it's there's so many other political issues involved with each with the democratic side and the republican side mm-hmm. and because I, I saw one example of this on twitter where uh charlie kirk who's a who's a very popular um he's a turning point i think founder or he he runs it he, he's very he goes all across the u.s college campuses a conservative group and he would and he would i mean, sometimes he puts interesting s- stuff on there but he would say sometimes like like something and he's not part of a religious group they would be like, Jesus Christ is king of the world. <laughs> He'll say something like that. And yes, like as a Christian, of course, I agree with that. But at the same time, he's re- he's representing a political group. And if, in my opinion, if you want to, if you want that group to be in- involving everybody, why don't you focus more on the how Republican policies can help every single group instead right. of just re- instead of just being. Um, catering to a certain uh, part of your following, which which is what I, which is what I see in a lot, especially with certain Republican groups, um, mm-hmm. yeah, for definitely. sure. Which which I think is a huge mistake because yeah. if someone's creating an identity, a, a group identity of like religious conservative or religious Christians, and this has to be involved in this group and not the other group. When really it could be the it could be any any other way. Mm-hmm. The other way around also yeah that's a good point that's a good point so yeah but uh on that note i think we'll end we'll end the show uh mm-hmm. giovanni thank you for joining me thank you for joining the Mel and well, thank show thanks for having me mm-hmm. and uh we'll see you soon you're and i'll put your your artwork you, the link below so all mm-hmm. that information will be below this link and yeah, thank you for joining. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for what you're doing, providing the platform for civil discourse. Thank you. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm.